perspectives. Anyone hear that word before today? I think Ryan used it. Webster says, defines it this way, the way I want to look at it this morning. The ability to evaluate information and situations in respect to their meaning and importance. The ability to evaluate information, situations in respect to their meaning and importance. I've been blessed by being here this morning already in the devotional and Sunday school hour. And uh, I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus who has raised us up to sit together in heavenly places. Uh, this should be a time of growth for us spiritually. It should be a time of uh, taking in spiritual nutrition for us to grow. Some of you may have seen this before. I'm not certain. I think I showed you a small version of it. Does that glare pretty badly? See some of you squinting. I, I can ask you what your perspective is of that photo. And it'd be interesting to hear your reply on that. This sermon had its beginnings probably more than four months ago. And uh, there are some milestones that have taken place this past week. I think Leona had her 79th birthday. Dwight and Darla had their 25th anniversary. And today is Leona Rachel's 40th anniversary. Is that right? So it was a time of reflecting. I, I, I was thinking back, and this actually was a reflection for me too. Uh, this April when Lois and I were back in Pennsylvania to see her mother, we had some free time. So I said, well, let's go to Susquehanna State Park. And uh, that's where we had taken our engagement picture. And we had posed on a rock, rocky outcrop, big rock, overlooking the Susquehanna River. And uh, we had been back before, but the fact that this was in our 40th year, we thought it would be interesting to go back. And So we hiked around there, and we couldn't find our rock. I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> And our verse that we used on our engagement uh, card at that time, people don't do that anymore, it had something about uh, as we posed in this rock and as we as we found our love in the rock Christ Jesus. But anyway, that's not verbatim. But uh, the rock was gone. Is, is our love gone? Is Christ gone? Absolutely not. So as we were walking back to the parking lot, I, uh, I just happened to glance over and I saw this stump. And it, it made me, it stumped me. It literally stumped me. And uh, then I started counting the rings. Then I was really scared. Here it was just a little over 40 rings. And uh, so I realized that what was happening to time here, a little better than 40 years. When I, we first showed up there, here was this little sapling of a tree. And uh, did I notice it? I didn't see it. I, didn't, I couldn't have said there was a tree even there like that. And I, you know, I don't know. I don't even know what kind of tree that is. I, I guess if I had to make a guess, you know, I, I looked at it a little closer, there's some oak leaves laying there. It could be a white oak, pin oak. Um, I thought maybe, you know, it has some interesting configuration, outer configuration. Matter of fact, I showed it to an 86-year-old grandma, and she looked at it just briefly, and she said, well, that looks like two lovebirds up there. And then I really liked the photo. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so to me, this is a special stone. It was a reassurance to me that, that uh, you know, uh, God has been faithful over 40 years, and uh, His love is, is just as real today as it was 40 years ago. You know, to most of you, this is just a stump. 
Uh, to me, it's a special stone. Uh, to the squirrel, it might have been a lost dinner if it was an oak tree, maybe lost habitat. I don't know. But I'm saying that to describe the different perspectives we have as we go through life. We do have different perspectives. So this morning I'd like to think about some perspectives. I was thinking about my perspectives in life. And uh, I ask you this morning, you know, what are your perspectives as you look at life, as God has been working in your life? Uh, you know, as I thought about that photo, I, I thought some more. I thought, uh, you know, to the park ranger, it, it had to go. Evidently, he cut it down. I'm assuming he cut it down unless vandals did. Somebody needed firewood, but I'm assuming it had to go. Was it deceased? Did it have uh, storm damage? Was it a threat to the people in the park? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, it, it caused me to reflect as I looked at that stump over the past 40 years. And ironically, it's two weeks preceding. It'll be 40 years that we moved into this community. So how important are perspectives in relation to spiritual things? Well, it's important that our perspectives are guided by the truth of God's Word. And I think that's what blessed me this morning as we, as we studied God's Word in a very practical way. Our perspectives need to be rooted in, in, in truth, the absolute truth of God's Word. Uh, someone said, well, as we think about how important perspectives are, perspectives can actually unite us. They can divide us. They can uh, bring us together in love if our perspectives are the same. So perspectives are important. But you know, if our perspectives are in the truth of God's Word, it should have a, a unifying effect on us. It should, have a fa- it should have an effect on our lives that our perspectives are focused on the same thing. And that's the absolute truth of God's Word. And I was blessed as we shared this morning. There was, uh, there was continuity. There was... Uh, uh, sharing of, of ideas. There was a sharing of, of applications. And to me, that's enriching to sit and discuss like that. Actually, many times, almost more than a sermon. <laughs> and that's, again, that's my perspective. That's just the way I find it. My perspective from the pulpit here this morning is different than your perspective listening to me. Our perspectives are first influenced by probably the family that you were born into whether we like that or not. Our perspectives are first influenced by the family that you were born into that. And you didn't have any choice of that. Dad likes John Deere's. Dad likes Massey Ferguson's or Internationals. You know, that's a, that's a perspective of influence. Uh, and then as we get older, that, that extends just a little bit further. And it, it extends further to include our siblings, oftentimes. They're, they help us establish our perspectives close friends. So there's that first and second tier. First are our family that we're born into, going to a second tier of as we begin branching out socially into our siblings and best friends. And then there's a third tier that I want to give to you with caution, and that is our, our culture, is a third uh, aspect of influence. Uh, and that's, you know, we do things in an American way, whether we like it or not. We do to a certain degree, to, to a, in a limited way. If we were meeting in the Middle East, maybe in the UAE, would we be dressed today the way we are? Uh, we'd have a different type of attire on it. We were born over there. I'm not sure. Uh, but uh, we're Western culture oriented. So we do things, you know, our perspective is from that angle, whether we like it or not. Uh, it does influence us. But again, we need to, we need to allow that 
third tier of, of cultural influence to, uh, with care and caution to impact our lives. We can't deny those uh, aspects of influence. But I was, as I thought about the, the influences and what develops our perspectives, someone has said it this way. He said, in the end, there is one definitive factor that solidifies our perspective, and that comes down to the word choice. We make a choice that this is what I'm going to embrace. Perspectives take place in our brain, in our thinking patterns. And so that's the way our perspectives develop. If Fords are fix or repair daily, and that's the perspective I have, you know, that's the way I'm going to think about Fords. And, uh, you know, from a spiritual sense, if I allow error to pre-meet my thinking pattern that it's, it's not truth, the, the Beatitudes aren't for this time and error. They're not practical. You can't live them out. No, absolutely not. If I'm going to allow that air of truth to pre-meet my thinking pattern, it's going to take me away from God. Because I believe the, the gospel, I believe the truth of the, the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount is, is applicable today. We can live it in, not from a, a natural man's thinking, but from a spiritual man's thinking. We can live and practice those principles that we talked about in the Sunday School lesson. But it comes down to choice. We make those choices. It solidifies our perspectives. You know, as I thought about the, uh, and some of you that have moved here since us can think about this too, you know, what what were your perspectives in moving here to southern Minnesota? Uh, you know, my perspectives on church and, and agriculture had an impact on me moving here 40, almost 40 years ago. But you know, it came down to a choice. It came down to making a choice that, okay, this is where we're going to move. This is where I'm going to live. And uh, I had to think of my my father-in-law. He told me one time, he said, well, if Minnesota doesn't work out for you, he said, don't come back to Pennsylvania. He said, go west, Father. <laughs> and I never forgot that. But, you know, I, as I thought about that, I thought, well, what were his perspectives? Well, first of all, there was a grandpa who said, ah, uh, he said, they'll be back in three years. They'll be back in three years. Uh there were probably other naysayers that said we probably wouldn't make it, and that's fine. Uh, it's only by the grace of God that we have made it. And uh, But, you know, so his perspective probably was that maybe it would look like failure if we had moved back. I don't know. But to me, as I look at it, I, I look at it from the perspective that I want to be where God wants me to be. If that's Minnesota, if that's Pennsylvania, if it's Westfather, that's where I want to be. And... Uh, you can think about your perspectives as you have moved here, and some of you are leaving again, Ryan's are leaving again. Their perspective is taking them somewhere else. That's fine. Uh, if you feel like the Lord wants you somewhere else, I'm okay with that. Someone has said everything around us is a guide or a help or a hindrance and factors into the process of choices that we make. So as we go through life and as our perspectives are developing and, and coming to fruitation in, in our the choices that we make, there's a lot of things that are factored into that thought process. Another writer, and I and I'm uh, embrace this hundred percent, it takes courage to take responsibility for your choices. It takes courage to take responsibility for the choices that you and I make because of the perspectives that we have. It takes courage to make that choice. On the negative side, it's sometimes much easier and more convenient to blame others or circumstances than to accept the responsibility of our choices. It's easier to let influences wash over us than to own the fact that you and I 
can and should be influencers. And that comes back to our Sunday school lesson. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. I'd like to read Ephesians chapter 2, several verses there, beginning at verse 4. The first question I want you to consider in relation to perspectives is this. Are your perspectives taking you above life's experiences? Are your perspectives, are your thinking patterns able to take you above life's experiences? And I want to read these verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 8. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, it is the gift of God. But God who is rich in mercy. God is rich in mercy. I'm glad this morning that God is rich in mercy. When you stop and think what mercy is, mercy is withholding that which we deserve. Each one of us here this morning, we're dead in trespasses and sins. We des- the penalty of sin is death. We deserve death, but God... And was rich enough to buy us back out of that penalty of death. He was rich in mercy. So rich that he could buy back every soul in the whole wide world. God is not willing that any should perish. Sinners deserve death. How great is God's love? It says, it says here, it tells us here that, uh, while we were, even when we were dead in sins, God's love reached out to us and his mercy he reached into the storehouse of His mercy and, and said, here it's paid. That mercy is paid in your behalf. The idea of grace, it mentions grace there. By grace ye are saved. Verse 7, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace. So God's rich in mercy, but He's also rich in grace. What is grace this morning? Grace, some people say, is doing things God's way, and I think that's true. Like living out the Beatitudes, that's doing things God's way. That's living God, that's living life the way God wants us to live. I like the definition of grace as God giving us that which we didn't deserve. And that's life in Christ Jesus. We didn't deserve that. We didn't deserve life at all. But He has given us, in John 10, it tells us the abundant life. It's not just an existence. But it's an abundant life that He has given to us. Exceeding riches of His grace. That which we didn't deserve. We're made alive. And He has raised us up to sit in heavenly places. As I thought about these verses here as we think about perspective. You know, if you've ever flown. Yeah, Austin. What do you like about flying? What's your number one thing would you say like you like about flying? I'm putting you on the spot. Is it the challenge? Is it the view after you're up there? That's what I thought about. I thought about the, you know, we were flying back from Portland the other several weeks ago, and I, it was a red-eye flight, and so we got on, it was midnight or 1 o'clock, whatever it was, and, you know, so we left out there in dark. We're flying toward the sunrise, and I, I slept a good bit of the time. Actually, I don't even remember taking off, I don't think. But I, I came to as we were probably, I don't know, coming into Minnesota, over the Dakotas, 
And it was just starting to get light, and you could look down, and you could see the, the countryside. And it was impressive. The sun was starting to shine on it. You know, that's the impression I look, as, as, as the impression I think of as I, I look down that, you know, that's the way, that's the perspective we need to have with Christ. Let, are your perspectives taking you above the problems of life as looking down on them? You know, and it's, it's hard when those things are surrounding us and we're in them. You know, our natural inclination is, uh, you know, we tend to either think, well, okay, we can mud through it or we can skirt around it. But, you know, let God take you over and above those experiences. Let that perspective be yours. Let God work His way in your life that He takes you above those experiences. Uh, again, from a carnal man's standpoint, we tend to think we can muscle our way through it. We're going to do it. Uh, but, you know, God has a better way, and that's to get up above it. And uh, you'll be blessed if your perspective, in, if your perspective is, is taking you above life's experiences, you're going to achieve something that will stand you in good stead for living the Christian life. A little more about these verses here in Ephesians 2. There's interesting, there's nothing about superiority between believers. We are one in Christ. Uh, we all have the same carnal nature. We have all been redeemed by the same grace and mercy. There's, there's no superiority here. We have all, we, we are one in Christ. And uh, I was blessed just recently by reading the uh, account of the rescue off the I don't even know where it was. There's been several attempts, I think. This one was successful. Was it Florida, I believe, where there's a, a uh, several were caught in a riptide off the coast and they, they formed a human chain. And uh, they were successful in rescuing those that were caught in the riptide. And as I thought about that, you know, shouldn't we as, as believers be forming human chains to rescue those that are caught in the riptide of this world? And, uh, you know, that's a natural illustration. People were putting their lives at risk. I don't know what the depth was. I think it said the, if I remember reading the story correctly, uh, the, you know, the, there was people that were actually in that chain that could not feel the bottom. They were just, it was their, that chain length. The tallest person, I think, may have been at the end, and he barely touched the bottom. But as they reached those people, they kept passing them along. Uh, they grabbed onto the people and passed along into the shore and experienced their safety. But uh, I was impressed, you know, that's a human illustration, but spiritually we should be forming a human chain to to rescue those that are caught in the riptide of the world and uh, cannot seem to experience deliverance. But are we willing to risk our lives? Are we willing to take that that risk? Verse 8 I wanted to mention too, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And again, that puts us all in the same bracket. We don't... It's not because of how much I had. It's not what I brought. But it's because God said, extend it to me. This is my gift to you. That you can experience salvation. You can experience life in Christ Jesus. Our part is the faith. How strong is my faith this morning in Christ? Can Is that faith going to bear me through and above the elements of life? Again, is my faith weak? God says He will reward faith even as small as a mustard seed. But that faith needs to be in Him, not in my abilities, but in Him. God will reward that that expression of faith in Him. So even if your faith this morning is as small as a mustard seed, invested in Christ, God will reward that faith. 
And it will grow and grow and grow. One small increment at a time. A little like that tree. What does your faith look like? Does it look... I don't know if you noticed that or not. And I I, uh, I noticed it. You probably can't see it from back there. But some of those rings, there's some fairly wide rings. And then there's some fairly narrow rings. Now, I don't know why that was. Was there... Was there stress? Was it brought? Uh, I don't know. Was it uh, diseased? And uh, but uh, you know what was my what would my spiritual life look like if there was a cross section done? Would there be times of of growth, wide rings? Would there be times of when there's only just a small amount of growth there uh, in relation to to faith in Christ? The second point I want you to think about as you evaluate your perspectives. Uh, the first one was, uh, are your perspectives taking you above life's experiences? The second one here, are my perspectives Christ-like? Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Uh, I want to read a number of verses toward the end of the chapter. Uh, Luke chapter 13, I want to break in at verse 31. So are my perspectives Christ-like? It's a question I ask you this morning. Luke 13, verse 31. The same day there came certain of the Pharisees, saying unto him, Get thee out, and depart hence, for her it will kill thee. And he said unto them, Go ye, and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out devils, and I do cures today. And tomorrow... And the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet perish out of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, which calleth the prophets, and stonest them that are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, and verily I say unto you, Ye shall not see me until the time come when ye shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. I thought of these verses in relation to us. I thought about, are my perspectives like Christ's? Uh, and I particularly thought of the expression the way Jesus describes himself, how that he wished that he could have gathered his people as a, as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings. You know, that's a natural expression. And, and we all get the picture, at least I think we do, uh, you know, gathering her in days past, gathering her brute under her wings, young ones. We see it in wild, wildlife yet today, not so much in our domestic chickens. But, uh, you know, there's nothing like watching a hen pheasant or a hen turkey, you know, with all her little ones uh, gathering around her and she's caring for them. But uh, backing up to verse 31, I don't know if that caught your attention or not, but you know, do you think the Pharisees were that concerned about Jesus? They said, you better get out of here, depart from hence, for her it will kill you. Well, I thought that's what they were trying to do. I thought that's what the Pharisees wanted. <laughs> were they really concerned about Jesus? They said, hey, we're going to give you a heads up on this and you better get out of here. Well, I don't think so. I think there may have been some ulterior motives in there, wanting him out of his way. Seems like if that's what they wanted, there was different times they, they sought to, behind the scenes, way to get away with him. But, uh, I thought, found that rather fascinating, rather interesting. But, you know, in spite of the threats, in spite of the obstacles that Jesus faced in his earthly ministry, and even at a very young age, he told his, 
his parents. He said, I need to be about my father's business. Jesus wasn't going to let a threat uh, detract or stop him from doing what God wanted him to do. He had it laid out. He said, today I'm going to do this, today I'm going to do that. And then he said, my life is going to be sacrificed anyway, whether heard once or not. He said, my life is going to be a, a given as a sacrifice for you, for them. Did they understand it? Absolutely not, they didn't understand it. A little like carnal man not understanding the, the Beatitudes. Am I doing, are my perspectives, is doing the Father's business in my realm of perspectives? You know, here was Jesus experiencing rejection of the greatest degree. You know, and I see his compassion, I see his frustration. He says, how many times would I have gathered you in? Well, their perspective, the Pharisees' perspective, Herod's perspective did not include anything like Christ was portraying. Absolutely nothing. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a kingdom. They were looking for something that would set themselves up rather than Christ being the king of their spiritual nature. Neither is the world today. The world today is not looking for anything, actually, that the Bible has to offer. Uh, There are people, there are sincere seekers, there are people that are looking for the truth. And God will reward that. He says He is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. But in generally speaking, the world today is not looking for answers from this book. They're not looking for that. So let's you and I, our perspectives this morning, throughout our life, need to be Christ-like. Even though they face opposition, even though they uh, seem to meet rejection, our perspectives need to be focused on doing the Father's business as Jesus told His parents when He stayed behind in Jerusalem. The third point I want you to evaluate. Am I willing to own the fact that I, in Christ, can make a difference? This goes back... I did look at the Sunday School lesson earlier in the week and then as I get to studying, sometimes I, I lose track of what was talked about. I knew it was the Beatitudes. I didn't realize these verses were actually included. But I'm going to read them. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. This is, has to do with uh, salt and light. Matthew 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to stop reading there. Ye are the salt, ye are the light. Why are we salt? Why are we light? 
It's so that our Father in heaven can be glorified. Christ was an influencer. I have written up here at the top of my Bible, and I'm not sure who said this, but salt is a condition and light is a mission. Salt is a condition, but light and light is a mission. You know, I say I thought about salt. You know, salt is not exactly the most exciting ingredient. Darren was talking about salt. Actually, I don't use a lot of salt. I'd rather use pepper. <laughs> and that's fine. Everybody to their own. Uh, but uh, salt is an important ingredient. We do need a certain amount of salt. Salt is an influencer. But I like the way salt works. It works quietly, gently, behind the scenes. And that's, I think, the way God wants us to work in many, many times. Quietly, gently, behind the scenes. You know, when's the last time you heard someone having a children's class? You know, we often ask children what they want to be when they grow up. And when's the last time you heard someone ask in a children's class, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I imagine you'd be stumped if they'd say, well, I like to be salt. But you know, there's probably nothing better you could be. And we ought to be, spiritually speaking, we ought to be all, we all ought to be salt. And uh, But you know, it's not the most glamorous thing. But yet God calls us to be salt, to make a difference, to be an influencer. Are my perspectives, am I willing to accept, to own the fact that I, in Christ, can make a difference in this world today? We need to embrace that in our perspective, in our thinking, that we can make a difference. It's the best thing that we can be, salt. As I thought about the aspect of light, while on the Oregon coast we climbed two of the lighthouses, the tallest and the shortest. Tallest was almost 100 feet tall, I believe, or a little over. Shortest was, I don't know what the shortest one was. Not very tall. Uh, might have been only 20 feet tall, I'm not sure, but it sat on a fairly high hill. But you know, that's, a, that's an error that one was actually functioning as an active lighthouse, yet the other one was not. But, uh, you know, they were fulfilling a purpose. They were fulfilling a mission in serving as a guide point for those ships that were coming up the coast, the west coast. As I think of you and me, as I think of being lighthouses and missions, accepting our aspect of being a, a mission in the world today, how bright is my reflector ability? Again, it's not who I am, but it's as I think of my relationship with Christ and Christ reflecting His light, the true light, through my life. What is it that's on my reflector that's tarnishing my ability to reflect the true light of Christ? Those are, those are some questions I had to ask myself. You know, it's never going to be a problem of the light. The problem of the light reflecting has to bear with my responsibility. It's only if I allow the things of this world or my carnal nature to cloud that ability to reflect the true light that my mission is going to be compromised in serving as a guiding light of truth to Jesus Christ. Again, how bright is my ability to reflect the light of Christ? It's a question we have to ask as we think of, of the aspect of our perspectives. Am I willing to own the fact that we can make a difference in this world today? I certainly think we can. Not because of who we are, but again, because of Christ. He was an influencer. He was a divider. His perspectives made you choose one way or the other. We need to be faithful in, in bringing people to that point. Again, it comes down to their perspectives and then ultimately making a choice for Christ or for against Christ. Fourth, 
point that I want you to consider as we think about perspectives. Are my perspectives, are your perspectives balanced in God? And as I thought about that, I, I thought of the account of, uh, of David. This is going to the Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter 17. This is one of my favorite accounts. And I, I don't know why it is exactly. David was the youngest in the family. I was the second to the youngest. And you know, there was how many above me? Eight above, seven above me, I guess. And so I can kind of relate to that little brother syndrome, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what David ran into here. And it wasn't any problem probably on my older sibling's part. It was on my part. Uh, I'll say that honestly. Uh, as I relate to my siblings, I don't think they meant it ill. They meant it, in this case, it seems like they, with David's older brothers here when they were fighting the Philistines, it seems like they, they somewhat meant it ill. They said, hey, what do you think you're muddling in here? This, this is something beyond your ability. And uh, God had a plan in place. God had a plan ready for David. And uh, David... Uh, you know, David just seemed to see things so much clearer and better than his older brothers did. In verse 29 of chapter 17, as the children of Israel were lined up there against the armies of the Philistines, you know, he said, is there not a cause? Isn't there something that's more important than simply fighting a battle? It's the name of the Lord that's at stake. It's His purposes, His cause. And that's that's the thing I want you to focus on. Are my perspectives balanced in God? What What is it that's governing my perspectives? Is it because of of, of God's principles and teachings. You know, as I thought about David, as he, as he faced that uh, giant, you know, he was not overly cautious. He was not overly confident. But he came to them, if you look there in verse, 5, verse 45 of that chapter, he said to the Philistine, to the, to the Goliath there, Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defiled. So David did, was not overly cautious. It's probably one of my flaws many times. I tend to be overly cautious. Uh, he was not overly confident. Sometimes young people, that can be a, uh, an error. you overconfident in yourself. Gets you in trouble many times. But he came in the name of the Lord. Our perspectives, as we go forward, as our thinking process evolves in our minds, we need to go in the name of the Lord. David had it right. He said the battle's the Lord's. It wasn't his battle. It wasn't Goliath's battle. But he said it's, it's the Lord's battle. So this morning as I think about perspectives, are my perspectives balanced in God? And I think that will keep our thinking patterns processed in a way that will enable us to live successfully the Christian life. Again, are you, number one, are your perspectives taking you above life's experiences? You can answer that. Number two, are my perspectives, in, are my perspectives Christ-like? Number three, am I willing to own the fact that I, in Christ, can make a difference? My perspectives need to take me beyond myself and as a channel of Christ. Number four, are my perspectives balanced in God? Again, the battle is not about you and me, but it's about God and the forces of evil. So I hope this thought of perspectives makes you think. And it comes down to choices. Each one of us will make choices and embrace perspectives that are going to reflect those choices. May God help us to make perspectives that are going to make us Christ-like and follow Him all the days of our life.